Welcome to the Learning About Dogs podcast featuring Kay Lawrence of Learning About Dogs and Sue McGuire, teacher of dogs and people in the San Francisco Bay Area. Today's podcast, taking the show on the road, roofing, terms that drive us nuts. When can I take this show on the road? There is not a class I have taught or a client I have taught or (laughs) guided their learning, if you will, and had not had that question. And I just, I just, so let's talk about that. Show on the road. Well, I mean, one of the hardest jobs we have to do is try to forget everything that's gone before us, pick up the good stuff and ditch the stuff that was based on the myth and legends of, you know, the world of dog training. So even though we might be doing it in a different model, because we're doing something for positive reinforcement, we're understanding more about how the brain works, we're understanding more about the effects of rewards, we still get people trying to teach the same stuff. Sit, come, heal, walk, walk on a loose leash, recall, all this sort of stuff. And these are just exercises designed probably by somebody over 150 years ago that they thought was was show Everybody else that I'm master of this dog, he must obey. You know, even the word obedience is now not a good word because I don't particularly want obedience from my dogs. I want compliance and I want partnership. So when we talk about the scientific word of take it on the road, they're saying the behavior will generalize to happen in different places. But now it comes back to English again. You can only say that historically you can't say I'm going to generalize this behavior. <laughs> you can only look at the behavior and say, oh, my goodness, that's generalized from doing it in the kitchen to doing it in the garden because he can do it now in the garden. Yes, that's the change that's happened. Mm-hmm. But it only happens retrospectively. So if you've trained it at home and you take it somewhere else and it doesn't happen, all you can say is it is not generalizing. Yes, it hasn't happened yet. So then we go back to under what conditions is it happening in the first place oh well i'm doing it in my kitchen and i do it with the cookie pot open on the counter and i do it with this happening and i do it with that happening and i I don't wear a coat and um, nothing else is in the house and all the other dogs are out the way and then suddenly you go for a walk and you want the dog to do it there where you're not wearing your coat you haven't got any treats on board and the dog's going these are not the same conditions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes so all we can say is the dog is bright And it can work out that under these conditions, I don't get cookies, so I don't think I'll try it here because I don't feel safe. And all the other dogs are being a nuisance. You know, so if it did happen there, we could say it generalized. But if it doesn't happen there, we can't make generalizing happen. We can't make it go on the road. So going on the road is is a, a way of assessing whether it's capable of generalizing in a new place. You can't make it happen. If it doesn't, then you have to go back to where you did it originally and start bringing in or start unlocking the conditions that you set it to happen in the first place. And we are bad at just doing the same thing over and over again, even with the same hand, wearing the same coat, the same time every day. And these sort of elements that start to become predictable in association with getting food for doing that sit, for doing that down, start stop it becoming flexible enough to go and happen in other places so if i'm teaching the dog 
to do a, a, a simple behavior, maybe come to my side in a heel position. I will do it on one side of the kitchen. The next time I ask for it, I'll go over the other side of the kitchen. The next time I ask for it, I might be taking my jacket off. The next time I ask for it, I might just put the kettle on, switched it on, not wearing it. <laughs> the next time I might go into the hallway. Um, the next time I'll use some different treats. So I'm trying to take everything out that the dog could say, oh, this must be in place before that happens mm -hmm. because they're so good at looking yeah. for all those indicators that success is on the way. So we end up locking it down to such fixed conditions. We stop it happening anywhere else. We stop it ourselves from going on the road. Mm. Oh, right there. So a, a quick little four minute tutorial on how to when you're when you're guiding the initial learning how you should not mm. get stuck in the same patterns mm. Mm. yeah and, I and if you make your pattern changes too quick the dog will tell you oh no that, that was a bit too much of a change yeah. so yeah. you know again becoming aware that how do you stand where are your hands are you holding them in your middle are your elbows bent mm -hmm. yes you know so all those things that we thought were helping by being consistent actually stop that mobility of the behavior to new places mm -hmm. but the good thing is that once the dogs learn to pick out the real salient elements you say that word you do that with your hand it doesn't matter if you're sitting on the floor standing up oh, i get it once they get it for one behavior they will transfer their understanding to everything they do mm -hmm. smart mm. cookies yes okay all righty so fluency uh, can can we identify that? What what do we mean by yeah, yeah. that? I think it's that that sense you get when somebody or even ourselves do we we do something, we have the capability of adapting it with ease to a different situation. You know, when I say I look at somebody as a fluent driver, car driver, I think well they could drive any sort of traffic or they could drive any type of vehicle. They're fluent. There's an ease to which they're doing it. Um, but I, I've got four goals that I look for in fluency. One, that they can remember exactly what they were doing from the last session to this session. So say I've asked the dog to um, go to a target and stand on a target. I've practiced this enough that when I lay the target down, the dog flicks their eyes towards it. Then they'll come to me and then they'll say, on your box. And they'll know exactly where it is and go to it. There's no sort of, oh, I can't remember what that was. What did we do last time? Mm -hmm. Can we just refresh mm -hmm. it again? There's no need to refresh it. It's not like I've got to get in the car and think, oh, now, which was the handbrake? Yes, which was, the, which was the indicator on this one? I keep forgetting. So that fluency is that memory where you can straight away carry forward onto that new situation. And that often means we've done sufficient practice to be fluent at it. We don't have to hesitate or need um need notes to be able to remember what to do mm -hmm. the second one then is there's an endurance about it that you can do it for a bit longer each time yep so when you're first starting it takes all your effort just to be able to i remember the days when you're driving <laughs> you know to be able to do a half hour drive was a major thing but as you get more fluent you can drive for longer periods or if you're teaching the dog to do heel work to start with three or four paces but now i feel they could go for six or seven now mm -hmm. they could go for seven or eight now they could go much further so they're building up an endurance to be able to go for a bit further 
and slightly longer each time. Then the third one is that it's stable. There's no um, wobbling. There's no uncertainty somewhere in it. So if I was asking him to go to, you know, on your box. Uh, oh, yes, yes, I remember where the box is. Oh, am I supposed to sit or am I supposed to stand? And every time he did it, I would expect it to be a consistent action. Consistently, I can find it. Consistently, I will sit on it. Or consistently, I will run to it. And I won't walk to it sometimes. I will run to it every time. So there's stability in it. It's not got a range of different variations that the dog throws in. And then the fourth thing, it should be able to be applied under different conditions. So can I get in a totally new car and just go, okie dokie dokie? Yep, got that then. Could I get in a tractor and do it? Can I apply my fluency from one situation to another situation under different conditions? Um, and often the measure of whether learning's happened at the sort of core level is our ability to adapt what we've learned to new conditions. And you know what it's like when you change cars. You've just changed cars. <laughs> it's been a nightmare. I just figured out my cruise control. <laughs> there we are. Yes, so you were almost like we're talking about that generalization. You were so stuck on doing things under certain conditions a certain way, you know, 10 years in the same car, even two years in the same car, you suddenly change car and your windscreen wipers are going as you go around the bend because you flick <laughs> the wrong switch. Or when you're tired, you'll go back to doing it the other way. I mean, I've had a, an automatic now for four years and there's still one roundabout where my hand goes down to change gear. Oh, on yeah. that same roundabout, isn't it? So those are the sort of things I look for on fluency, you know, and the dogs are <laughs> much more consistent than we are, you know. But if a dog's always done something to the same side of you, if you always treat your dog from your right hand or your left hand, you'll see that that pulls the learning a certain way. Now, if you do it on the other side, has the learning changed? You know, is the fluency gone because the dog's suddenly not orientating to where the food's coming from? Yeah, so in some ways, these habits become good, but then the dog's not actually applying what they've learned to a different situation. Could they do it for a different person if they, they're given, so given the same conditions? Wow. That's... So fluency can be measured, and these are measures of having achieved a certain standard in a behavior. And if I'm going to put that behavior in connection with other behaviors, then those are the minimum we absolutely need on it. And do you grade them like one, two, three, four? Mm, it's difficult. It, not really. Okay. But it's a little bit like saying, well, he's better at it today than he was yesterday. And that's not good enough either. You've got to go, how? Yeah, how is oh. it? Mm -hmm. Oh, um, well, he got on onto the, onto the platform a little easier without tripping over his own foot. Okay, so would he benefit from some more proprioception work before you go and do it? Ah, oh, you know, so just say something's good or better is not enough, but then it almost goes too far to try and add points to it. Yeah. You know, to me, I look at it like mm, that area is going to need some more work on it. Yes, it's it's seriously low, or it just needs a bit of refreshing. Yeah, or it might be up to standard. So I suppose in a way, there's three sort of levels of serious amount of work. Mm -hmm. Let's take it out and do some more work on that. Or, yeah, that, that's going well. That, that's where I want it to be. Yeah. Hey, yeah, thanks for listening. Links to the course and other offerings are in the episode notes. Well,